Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Coming up. The skin is quite similar to how the, the gut is. I mean, the skin is one of the largest organs, as I'm sure you know, and it actually is like a jungle, like almost like a garden of microbes. So like it's similar to the gut and different things will impact the skin the same way the gut would. So, you know, pollution and, you know, what we're eating and, you know, the sun, things like that. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hope you're doing really well. I have got a lovely guest today. I have got Kafra Best, who is a registered dietitian. She works a lot with the NHS. She works in clinics in central London. She has over a decade of experience in nutrition and dietetics. And everything she's sharing with us today is super useful. I feel like it's great to have a notebook at the ready because she talks about what we can do to help improve our gut health, how this in turn can help to improve our skin, but also just gives tips and advice about generally feeling better in mind and body. It's such a useful episode and I'm so glad she came on the podcast because everything she talks about is so research-based and so science-based, but she says it in such a relatable way. So I know you're going to absolutely love this episode as much as I did. And before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you about our brand new launch, which is a face yoga at home. So you can get a personalized face yoga session or sessions via Zoom or Skype, whatever video call feels good for you with one of our fully qualified and certified teachers of the Danielle Collins face yoga method. So you'll get to have a full consultation with your teacher. You will be taught personalized face yoga techniques, which are right for your skin, which are right for your lifestyle and for your wellness and you'll have the chance to ask questions to really understand how face yoga works and how it will work for you. So if you would like more information about this, if you just head to the website, so faceyogaexpert.com slash sessions and all the information about how you can have face yoga in the comfort of your own home that's specific for you is on there. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Kath. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Danielle. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. And I'm really excited to have you on as a guest because as I was saying to you when we were chatting off air, my listeners love everything to do with wellness and health and nutrition. And I know that you are just a powerhouse of knowledge when it comes to nutrition and food as 
Your role is uh, obviously a registered dietitian. So I'd love to know to start off with a little bit about your journey into becoming a dietitian. Have you always been into food and health or was it something you came to a little bit later on? Well, it's, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, dietetics and nutrition has played a massive part in my family's upbringing. My dad had type 2 diabetes and he had to really be careful about what he was eating in his diet um, because his blood sugars were really not well controlled, unfortunately. He had very much a sweet tooth and he actually developed kidney problems and kidney failure. Sadly, he passed away when I was really young. But um, with that, we had quite a bit of involvement with a dietitian. So I was exposed to a dietitian when I was quite young because with uh, kidney failure, there is um, problems with regulating your electrolytes, your potassium and your phosphate. So you have to go on a quite a, a strict diet in terms of my dad had to be on like a low potassium, low phosphate diet. So it, I've, I've had a lot of exposure to nutrition and dietetics from actually quite young, but from a clinical sort of side in regards to, you know, your health and your condition. So from then, I was like, oh, my God, this is so interesting. I, like, I want to learn more. I want to know more about it. And that sort of ha was how my career really how I developed and, and went on to study it. I've been qualified now for just over 10 years and I've worked, you know, throughout sort of acute hospital trusts in the community, worked in private practice. Currently at the moment, I do a mixture of um, managing a nutrition and dietetic service in the NHS in Southwest London. But I also do private practice with Retrition Clinic, which is an amazing clinic that there's a team of us that work on that doing that. And I work in a private hospital as well. So sort of juggling a, a bunch of different things. But rather than going down the route of sort of diabetes, I decided to go down more sort of complex nutrition support and gastroenterology. So gut health is a, is a real passion of mine. And gut health is something I'm really interested to learn more about from you today, um, because I mean, I know it's a huge subject when it comes to gut health and having a healthy gut. But if we're just taking it to quite a simple level, so for someone that is a generally healthy person, but actually would really like to improve the health of their gut, where is the best place to start with that? Healthy is quite a um, <laughs> it's quite it's quite a difficult term because your your idea of healthy and my idea of healthy may be completely different. So I guess it's a bit about sort of self reflecting. Look, looking at your diet and your lifestyle overall is a really great place to start. So gut plays such a huge role in so many different body functions, immune health, hormone regulation, how we feel, our mood. Um, and also, you know, our digestive system as a whole. So I think when you look at your gut health, it's important you look at the whole picture. So what's your lifestyle like? What's your sleeping patterns like? Are you keeping fit? Are you moving? You know, are you trying to have a bit more of a diverse range of different foods? That's a really great place to start, I think, when it comes to gut health. That's really great advice. And when it comes to foods, are there any particular foods that you recommend to add into our diet and to increase? 
there is so much research going on, Danielle, at the moment. Like you, we almost can't keep up in the sort of gut world with all the research that's going on with um, my, our microbes. So our, our gut has trillions of microbes, bacteria, um, and it actually can weigh as much as a cat brain, if you can wow. imagine. Yeah, so a huge, huge amount of bacteria in our gut, and they all thrive with different types of foods. So diversity is really, really essential. You know, current research shows that we need to be having 30 different types of plant-based foods a week. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean you need to be a vegan or vegetarian, um, but really increasing your plant based foods, things like pulses, lentils, nuts, seeds, fruits and vegetables, whole grains are really important. So like bulgur wheat and quinoa and um, brown rice, brown pasta, you know, these sorts of things are, are really essential for the gut because they feed off all of these different types of plants. So that would be one of my really important tips. And I guess if you're thinking, oh my gosh, 30, that's a huge amount. How am I going to get that in my diet? A really great way is maybe trying a new plant-based food every week. So, you know, considering having, trying like a veg box maybe or a recipe box or, you know, even looking online on social media, there's so many different uh, nutritionists and dietitians that are constantly giving out free recipes, myself included. Retrition does amazing recipes as well. So trying to incorporate different recipes will allow you to then incorporate different types of plant-based foods. If you have a freezer, you know, using that as much as possible, buying frozen vegetables, if you're worried about, you know, fresh vegetables and fruits potentially going off, but getting a buying frozen options or canned options is a really good way to still be able to get that variety without the worry of the shelf life. Mm-hmm. Another suggestion would be, you know, buying a seed and nut mix dried fruit, nut mix, and just adding that to as much foods as possible, you know, things like milled seeds, milled chia seeds, or even just mixture of nuts as well. Adding that to your breakfast, adding that to smoothies, having that in, you know, sprinkled on your food is a really great way of incorporating a bit more legumes into your diet as well. So I would say that's some really good tips. Yeah, really great tips. And I want to talk in a minute more about when we do help to improve the gut and we do start increasing those amazing foods you've talked about, what impact that can then have on overall health and skin. But before that, I want you to break the bad news to us in terms of what foods we really shouldn't be eating um, when it comes to gut health. So, I mean, as a dietitian, we never would say cut this out, cut that out. I mean, that's not that's quite the old school style of, you know, providing nutrition advice. And really, dietitians shouldn't be recommending restricting anything. We sort of say everything in moderation is actually okay. But one thing that the gut specifically is not a fan of is ultra processed foods. So anything that has lots of added additives, sweeteners, all foods do have additives. Okay. Most foods do, because again, you need to be able to eat them within their cell by day. And actually, you know, for a food to remain fresh, it's, you know, unless it's a whole food, which hasn't got anything added to it, it will have a preservative. So ultra processed foods would be things like cured meat products, um sausages bacon 
sometimes even certain meat alternatives. So if you are following a vegan or vegetarian diet and having meat alternatives, just be careful because many of those sort of products can have a lot of added fats, a lot of added salt um, and other sort of preservatives in them. So, so just be aware of those. I guess other ultra processed things would be, you know, all, all the lovely treats, I guess, mm-hmm. like biscuits. <laughs> Cakes and muffins, these are all processed foods, unless you're making them yourself at home. Um, I would say just trying to make as much of your own food as possible. And um, because when we start to buy prepackaged things, um, which are already made, they already have preservatives that are added to them. So that would be one thing. I guess the other thing is um, sweeteners. Mm-hmm. So certain sweeteners can actually cause quite a bit of problems with 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 the gut health and um, particularly things that like mannitol or um, xylitol and these can be found in a lot of your sugar-free sort of mints or sweets chewing gum as an example and these types of sweeteners can cause a lot of fermentation in the gut so what that means is that the gut produces a lot a lot of bacteria to try and break that down and sometimes that bacteria can lead to bloating um, and a bit of an upset tummy so try and stay clear of you know too much things that have got sweeteners really and if they're naturally containing sugars that would always be a better option that's great. So if it comes from nature, it's pretty good as a as a rule. Yeah. And if it doesn't, these things that are overprocessed and man-made, our gut's just not going to like it. Yeah, I, I would say just limit the amount of that you're having. Mm-hmm. That makes complete sense. And I'd really like to sort of link everything you're saying about healthy gut, which I'm so interested in. And I so love that you're able to come on and talk about that because I know that's really one of your areas of expertise. But I'd love to sort of relate that a little bit to skin health because, again, lots of our listeners are really interested in the skin. Um, they're big fans of face yoga. And something which I promote all the time is is about beauty from the inside out. So it's about looking up after ourselves from the inside. And this is how we're going to get the best skin, but also to feel the best we can, because that's what matters when it comes down to it, how how we're feeling inside in mind and body. Oh, 100%, 100%. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about how when we improve our gut, how this can help our skin and how the two are related too, because I know that they are very much related. That's a really good question. And I actually get asked that quite a lot in, in my clinics. Um, and I guess the way they're related, so I'll, I'll tackle each thing. Um, so I guess the way they're related is the skin is quite similar to how the, the gut is. I mean, the skin is one of the largest organs, as I'm sure you know. Mm. And it actually is like a jungle, like almost like a garden of microbes. So like it's similar to the gut. And different things will impact the skin the same way the gut would. So, you know, pollution and, you know, what we're eating and the sun, things like that impact the skin's microbes. Um, And that is that is exactly the same thing within the gut. Things like potentially your upbringing, if you were breastfed or if you were bottle fed or if you depending on what's your diet like, lifestyle, smoking, if you smoke, if you drink alcohol, these sorts of things all impact your gut. Uh, microbes as well 
So changes to the activity in your gut can really impact your skin as well. So if these changes have sort of like a poor pattern or there's a shift, this can lead to conditions like atopic dermatitis, so like eczema. There's still a lot, a lot of research that needs to happen in this area, Danielle. So although, you know, I can say to you now that if you've got a poor gut health, you're likely to have, you know, you might have a bit more breakout in your skin or potentially, you know, you might have problems with skin. But again, a lot more research needs to be done in this area before we can make any strong recommendations. But I guess that also then links with hormones as well. And I don't know if you're going to go on to this or if I'm jumping the gun, but the gut microbes have such an important role with looking after your hormones. Um, And that's because they help to regulate the estrogen that circulates in our bodies. So I'm trying. I'm trying to break it down without it. I'm not getting too sciencey <laughs> for, for the listeners. You're, no, you're making it really clear. It's amazing. <laughs> the microbes in our gut produce so many different things and absorb so many different things. And one thing that they do absorb is something called beta gluconeogenase. I hope I'm saying that right. Which helps to free estrogen into the body so it can be used. So what that means is if we're not having enough microbes in our gut we're then unable to produce sufficient amounts of estrogen levels, which then has a domino effect. And then, as we know, estrogen has a huge part in terms of body fat, metabolism, for the ladies listening, menopausal symptoms, um, your bowels as well. Estrogen can have an impact in that, bone synthesis and, and skin conditions like eczema. But also, if you've got a hormone imbalance, you know, that can lead to skin breakouts, acne, things like that. So, so there is certainly a link between the two. Definitely. There's a huge link. And obviously having those 30 plant-based foods per week is then going to help our gut, but then have that positive impact on our skin, whatever our skin health is. Is there anything else that you advise when you're working in clinic with clients in terms of overall lifestyle and wellness, which is going to help gut health, but then in turn skin health as well? I do something like a food and symptom and mood diary because stress plays such a a massive part in gut health. And actually, if somebody comes to my clinic and I make recommendations about changing their diet, but they have got a huge amount of stressors going on, whether that be work-related, family things, lockdown. If people are presenting with with high levels of stress and they're not managing their stress levels well, sometimes diet changes will not make a difference because, again, a lot of serotonin is produced in the gut. And if the gut microbes are not effectively working, they're not being fed to increase all the good bacteria and reduce the bad bacteria that can lead to inflammation and these things I'm talking about, then it leads to us having more cortisol in our bloodstreams, which then, of course, leads to us feeling more stressed as well. So there's that side of it, which I think stress plays a, a big part, but also things like whether you smoke, we know how much smoking impacts you know our health, but also if how much alcohol you drink, what your sleep pattern is like, Our gut actually does most of its work. I know some people think, oh, yeah, my gut's active first thing in the morning. But actually, your gut is the most active 
when you're asleep. And that's because they're all up, they're getting to work, they're breaking down foods, they're fermenting, they're producing more bacteria, more and more and more. And they do that whilst you're in a state of rest and whilst you're sleeping. So if you're not having a good sleeping pattern, that can actually negatively impact how much your your microbes are reproducing. So sleep is also another really important factor. Absolutely. So stress, reducing stress and trying to get a good night's sleep, as well as really increasing those plant based foods in our diet. And obviously, as much as possible, trying to reduce those processed foods and all those sweeteners. I think that that is such good advice. I think if every single one of us can do that or at least take steps towards that, that's going to help so much gut health, skin health, everything health, um, mental health as well, which I'm sure this year, um, you as, as well as I have seen with with lots and lots of clients, mental health is huge in 2020. You know, we've all been through so, so much. And again, yeah. would you say that by just going through those simple steps you've talked about, that's going to really help with our, our mental health as well? Yeah, for sure. And I, f- I forgot to mention about exercise, moving more. It doesn't have to be weight training. It doesn't have to be anything strenuous, but just moving your body, going for a walk, going for a gentle jog, maybe, or yoga. You know, Danielle, but yoga mm-hmm. has proven to have almost the same beneficial effects as following certain um, diets with IBS. So the low FODMAP diet has proven to have the same Yoga's proven to have the same beneficial effects with symptoms as the low FODMAP diet. So, you know, moving is such a, such important part. And that will then help with stress levels too, because as we know, exercising more, we produce more happy hormones. It makes us feel good. um, And that can hopefully help with, with our mood too. Definitely. And interestingly, you brought up IBS because over the years, that's something which a lot of clients have talked to me about. And I'm sure it's something you see in your clinics all the time. And from your opinion and experience and research you know of, what tends to be the the major trigger for that? Do you find that it is stress or it is foods or it's a combination of the two? It's it's so multifaceted. I I, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell you one specific thing, to be honest. Definitely a combination. Yep, it is. And lifestyle as well is another thing. I think because we're all so different. And if you think about all the bacteria that is in our gut, it's as individualized even more so than DNA. So Mm -hmm. I could not tell one person that this is going to be the same problem for another. It's just impossible to do that. And we're, you know, we're only starting to unpack all the evidence and research that we're starting to build around the beneficial effects of the gut and the microbiota. So I think what's really important is just if you do have a concern about, you know, functional gut symptoms or irritable bowel syndrome, Starting a food and symptom diary and a mood diary is a really, really great place to start because that will help you to identify and reflect on any maybe specific foods or how you felt in that day, what happened in that day, which potentially could have triggered a symptom. And that might help you to identify it. So it's a very individualized approach. And I guess, again, it goes back to that 
moving more, stressing less, sleeping better and eating more of those natural foods, all of that's going to help. And, and I guess on the on the natural food side of things, you know, if somebody is suffering from any bowel condition, whether it be IBS or something else, it isn't always quite as straightforward, I'm guessing, as just eating foods from nature, because there are some foods which are tolerated really well by some people, but other people not so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we I wish it was as simple as that. I think if it mm-hmm. was, I probably I probably wouldn't be in a job if it no, was that exactly, simple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but what I would say is there are things that we can do to uh, you know to adapt and and help make our, our gut as healthy as it can be, which is great. And I haven't touched on it yet, but probiotics and prebiotics also play a really big part in that too. As lots and lots of research has suggested that, you know, a mixture probiotics, so that's P-R-O biotics, mm-hmm. they are a mixture of live friendly bacteria, which is really beneficial in it, and that's taken in the mouth. So you can get that from fermented drinks, fermented cheeses. So that would be things like kefir or, you know, artisan cheeses. So Parmesan or Manchego cheese or Stilton, you know, th- those sort of cheeses contain natural probiotics, but also yogurt as well. But you can also get it in the tablet form, obviously. But something to just point out and for those that are listening, making sure that you know what type of strain, if you do suffer with any sort of gut health issues or any sort of bowel diseases, um, it's important that you do speak to your doctor or your dietitian if you have one, because research has shown that different probiotic bacteria have different effects in health and disease. So it's not just one type of strain is going to resolve everything. And if you ever do see any probiotics advertising as this will fix all, that's completely wrong. And they're marketing that incorrectly. So it's really important that you, you know, you understand about what type of strains. And I, I talk a lot about that with my clients that I see in clinic in terms of how to manage, you know, any sort of gut health issues and specific probiotic prescriptions that you could be on. And I guess they're important because they increase the good bacteria in the colon. And if you think about, as I said, it's like a jungle. If you can imagine like lions versus, I don't know, um, (laughs) I can't think, but lions versus zebras, (laughs) let's say. (laughs) But you've got your lions, which are fighting against the zebras to own the land, potentially, let's say. And that's the same thing with like gut with gut bacteria. So you've got good bacteria versus bad bacteria. And they're both trying to fight to own more space and have more space on the host which is us which is our gut so by feeding it more good bacteria through the mouth or taking prebiotics which is p-r-e which i'll go into that then allows our body to produce more good bacteria so then the we're actually winning in the fight against having more land which then reduces the bad bacteria which leads to the inflammation and the issues that people can present with so that's really important and then in regards to prebiotics so p-r-e these don't replace the bacteria what they actually are they're dietary substances which are found in a lot of plant-based foods so the non-starch polysaccharides so lots of high fiber foods that we spoke about so that's why carbohydrates are so important 
important. I know people have a really big thing with, you know, cutting out carbs. It really upsets me. Like we need carbohydrates are so important. Whole grains, especially because they're so high in fiber and these high fiber foods are difficult to digest. So what happens is they travel to the large intestine and when they get there, the bacteria is like, woohoo, yes, I'm going to eat loads of this. I'm going to help. It's going to help me build. It's going to help me breed because all of these sort of food sources, they cannot find it in the gut. So that's what they need to multiply and reproduce. So you could find prebiotics, like I said, in wheat, onions, you know, underripe bananas, garlic, leeks, honey. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, as great as prebiotics are, if you do suffer with IBS, some of these foods might actually trigger your symptoms. So it's a bit of a balanced act, really. But you can find a, a lot of host of different prebiotics as well. That's great. And when it comes to a supplement, particularly a probiotic supplement, something like an acidophilus, do you recommend taking this daily? So for someone that doesn't have any bowel issues, doesn't suffer from IBS, as a maintenance, do you recommend that this should be taken ongoing? Or do you feel that it should only be taken at certain times for certain periods? Um, what, do, what do you usually recommend for that? So to be honest, if you do have a healthy gut, and I know healthy can be very subjective, but if you don't suffer with any gut-related symptoms or have any bad seeds, what I would say is that you don't necessarily need to take a probiotic or a symbiotic. I don't think it's necessary if your diet is relatively healthy and you're incorporating the foods that I spoke about, you know, the live natural yogurts like Greek yogurt, for example, or, you know, you could get coconut-based yogurts that have live cultures in as well. If you are incorporating those or things like fermented drinks like kombucha or or you know you're having prebiotics like sauerkraut or kimchi which are all fermented foods you don't necessarily need to be taking a probiotic because you're actually feeding your body those those foods and already but if it is something that you found it's really helped you I guess it does depend on the strain but what we'd usually recommend is you don't need to be on it for more than sort of four weeks that makes sense and then take a break for a while and take a break. Yeah. Yeah. But if, for example, you're going traveling or you've been on antibiotics. You know, there's a lot of research that's, that has shown that certain strains of probiotics have been really beneficial with helping those with those related symptoms. So I would certainly say if, if, if that is the case for you, then, you know, do get in contact with, with a dietitian or, um, you know, your GP to have a conversation about that in a bit more detail. That makes sense. Definitely. And I'd love to know a little bit about your wellness routine and even your skincare routine. Do you have any little sort of self-care rituals or habits that you do every day? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked me about skincare. I'm obsessed. (laughs) I am obsessed with skincare. And I think it's to be honest, it's really happened since lockdown. I, you know, before lockdown, I wasn't really taking good care of my skin. My friend recommended me this amazing book called The Skincare Bible, and it literally changed my life. I was doing that, and I looked at trying to set up a routine. And that routine really helped me. So I do like an AM, you know, it's got like a five or six step. <laughs> and Nothing. then I have a, I have a PM routine as well. 
but also just trying to drink lots of water. You know, working from home can be really intense. And I actually manage a service, as I said. So I've definitely um, built up quite a bit of stress in, you know, with with everything going on with COVID and in the NHS that I've just tried to find a way of breaking away. So going for walks in, like I love nature. So going for walks are really important to me, like getting out in the fresh air, exercise is really really good for me for my not so much just for how I look not really that at all but more for my mental health it really helps with my mood and just helps me recharge and reset so they're sort of my tips um I have started a gratitude journal as well but I've not got into the routine of doing it every day yet I I haven't broke haven't got that habit yet I'm I'm working on it but (laughs) We're all working on these things. You're not alone with that. We've all got intentions to do these things. And I also think we go through certain stages of doing things and it's easy to slip out the habit. And then sometimes it just takes a little conversation like this, doesn't it? And then we think, oh, actually, we've got to get back into that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I love these tips. And I actually love that you brought up water because I realised we didn't really talk much about water with with everything we've talked about. But actually, it's a huge part of of our gut health and and skin health. And do you recommend generally to have filtered water or bottled water? What's usually your recommendation for clients? Uh, To be honest, Danielle, I've never been asked that question before. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or just regular tap water. Yeah, do you know what? I can't believe I didn't touch up on that. Water is so important, like for all your listeners, water, 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 water. Like I I actually suffer with constipation myself. Sorry, bit of TMI Mm. there. but That's all right. We're all about that on this podcast. (laughs) I um I suffer with constipation I think related to stress to be honest and one thing which I think has re- really helped me is is in drinking lots of fluid so I do filter my water at home but I guess if you do live in an area which does have harder water it'd probably be better to filter it but to be honest I don't know of any studies or research to to say what you should and shouldn't have in regards to tap water bottled or anything else to be honest Great. Just get the water down. You're in herbal teas as well. Are you a fan of, of having herbal teas or we even love sort of herbal hot, teas? Yeah, or warm water, sort of hot water or warm water. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, great. I don't drink I don't drink much caffeine, and that's just a personal choice. One because I'm already super like Duracell. Yeah. And, <laughs> and caffeine is just just doesn't work for me. So Same. um and yeah, so I I tend to drink quite a lot of herbal teas. Yeah, I do love herbal tea. And sometimes I have occasional cup of tea. Amazing. Oh, that's lovely. And just to finish, I'd really love to know your top tip for inner peace. Just being grateful and living in the present moment. The power of living in the present moment is so powerful. And with everything going on around us at the moment and how rubbish and I don't know if I can say this, but how shit everything is really I think it's important that we try and focus on what matters to us in terms of our health in terms of the fact that we are still here that's really important and just enjoying and 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 being grateful for what you have around you Definitely. I think that's the most amazing tips that you can give to anyone. I think if we can all just feel grateful, it's going to help so, so much. So, Kath, if people want to get in contact with you, they want to get on your website or follow you on Instagram, how can they do that? 
Sure. So my name on Instagram is at CAF, C-A-F-F, dietitian. And that is the same for my website, CAFdietitian.com. Thank you so much. You've been such a superb guest and your advice is amazing. I just felt like I wanted to make notes all the way through that. So <laughs> thank you so much, Kath, for being on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.